Sentire Media All right, lower down the music on the potentiometer and cue up the podcast. Here we go. Today is Primo Junio, the 1st of June. Thank you for downloading and listening to us drone on into two microphones. My name's Jason. Ciao, I'm Ashley. Together we run, own, and operate and live at La Tavola Marque and Agriturismo in the foothills of the Apennines between Piobico and Sant'Angelo. Yeah. There you go. Uh, 1st of June, we have a chilly 18, 19 degrees today. We have some cool, really cool cumulus clouds. Wind out of the north, 12 knots. So says the weather station. (laughs) We're filling the pool. The garden is in. We're doing a rare podcast outside without guests. uh, We don't have to sequester ourselves into our place or just do it in the kitchen early in the morning. So we're doing a rare podcast midday outside. Might hear the birds chirping. It's, uh, what has it been? What, the weather, the what? Just everything. Just everything. Um, it's been, when you stay home out here, it's pretty normal. We've got, we've been busy with all of our projects and whatnot. Um, but we did venture out for the first time. We'll get into that. Yeah. But the garden hasn't looked better with all this free time. Um, all the grass is cut. All the weed whacking trimming is done. The garden's in. The, the drip system's set. The pool is filling as we speak. It's all ready for no one. <laughs> for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and tomorrow is Festa della Repubblica, big holiday here in Italy. The um, celebration of... The end of World War II and the Italians voting and the end of fascism and starting of the Italian Republic. It's pretty interesting. It's a big festival day here tomorrow. So we will see if they... I don't think there's going to be parades or no, anything. No, I think they're all canceled. They're all canceled, but they will have the Freccia Rosa uh, or the... Is it... No, the... the no, Freccia Rosa is the train. What are the... What's like their Blue Angels flyover? Three Tricolori. Tricolori. I see, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's part of why the lockdown for Italy moving around region to region doesn't open till June 3rd because they want to minimize some of the congregations for the festival. So trying to keep people home. So we can move around starting to... Uh, starting Tuesday? No, what's today? Today's Monday. So starting Wednesday, we can move throughout Italy without needing a um, self-declaration. And wow, this is the first time to be able to go just even over the hill into Umbria uh, since March. So... Um, and we're not chomping at the bit. No, no. We actually went out for the first time to lunch the other day to Fano um, to try it out and to see what's what. I have not been out of Piobico, our little zone of 15 kilometers in either direction since March. Um, so it's it was just weird. I know, just to finally, like, get to the coast. <laughs> it was like, we haven't been here in so long. And to go to, this was the first time we've gone to a restaurant. And um, we'll tell you, let's tell them a little of the experience. So, first of all, when you go in, um, like, like I said, this is the first time, so we don't quite know the rules. And well, not that we know the rules. The rules are you have to have a mask on at all times. But when you go to eat in a restaurant, how does this going to work? Are, do you have to have it? In your mask on until your food comes? Do you take it off when you eat? Do like, you have to put it back on when she comes to bring the food? I don't know. There was no, like, there was nothing written up. There is the plastic barriers between um, the tables. But then you're eating, your mask is off, and someone walks by your table to go to the bathroom or to go to their table, and it's like... 
I don't know. It's just, it felt weird. So we were going to just kind of take social cues and play it by ear. Mm-hmm. And the social cues <laughs> were all over the place, meaning some people sat there with their masks on. Other people, as soon as they walked in the door of the restaurant, took it off. And there's, you know, there's tables of four guys across from each other. They're all slapping each other on the back and being, you know, normal, uh, no mask or anything. The servers all had their masks mm-hmm. on. So it's very, uh, there's no... It's very convoluted. It's hard. The poor, the poor restaurant. Say. They have to make an investigation out of all into all their clients because they're responsible for social distancing at tables. So when when they walk in, they ask you, "Do you live together? Are you married? Are you friends? Are you family? What what's going on here?" And um, these three guys, when we were leaving, walked in and and sure enough, they you know she asks them, "Are you family? How are you related?" And they look at each other and they go cousins <laughs> and, and these two young girls what are they supposed to do like ask for uh you know birth certificates so i think it's the difference of being able to be seated together or if they have to put up the plexiglass at the table i'm not exactly sure we chatted with the owner of the Inoteca in urbania um i know some of you guys have been there it's a great little family-run spot and teeny tiny <laughs> and she was saying the same thing that if people come in together or make a reservation like when i called to make a reservation for lunch that day, um, they asked, you're two? Are you brother and sister? Are you married? Do you live together? What's your sexual history? <laughs> like, it just was like, oh my gosh. So she was just, even at the Enoteca, so she was just saying what a mess that they have to ask each person that comes in. And I don't know how you really um, police that, if you will. No, and it, that's that's why there's so much ambiguity. Like mm-hmm. everyone here, pretty much wants to do the right thing, but there's no um, there's no set. There's a there's 45 pages of rules we got, and when you finish reading the 45 pages, you're not really too sure. Uh, for instance, if we had guests, we would have to take their temperature, make a log, take down their information, blah 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 blah. And they have to sign a declaration yeah. that they don't have any symptoms or haven't been tested positive or been around anyone. So then we fill out this module that you download off off one of the websites from the state of Italy. And then what? What do you do with it? We ask Gaji because he has a similar form at the ambulatory at the kind of clinic that he works at. And he brought us a couple copies from there. And I said, okay, great. I understand. This is, yes, I understand the form. (laughs) What do you do with it? Who do you send it to? And he goes, no one. You hold on to it. (laughs) It was just like... Okay. Then so what? then for, what? For for how long? For when? For it's just it's it's kind of all over the place. So it took the fun out of going out. And um, what we did notice was down where the fish restaurants are at the port, obviously. And um, normally for lunch it is busy. There's a bunch of shipyards and. Uh, people who uh different companies that work on boats and a whole fishing industry there and there's besides the fishing there's normally like two kind of mega yachts that are being finished up that will get set out um i don't know if that's called wet dock or not dry dock, dry dock um and that yeah shipbuilding yeah but i just mean it's re- like there's a lot there's going a lot on. going on there was nothing going on it was Indeed. There were mostly, m- m- normally when we go midweek for lunch, there's a lot of working dudes. Like yeah. Paint and spackle and <laughs> stuff all over their overalls and stuff. And and uh, th- this one was, the restaurant was a third full because that's all they could have. If you also drove by, you would think the entire thing was, was shut closed, down. yeah. And um, there was no one working around. Normally that down there by the port is, is bustling. And it was just... 
It was just quiet. It was mm-hmm. like it was a Sunday or something, but it was midweek. So we stay home. We wait for the garden to explode. And <laughs> Speaking of the garden exploding, vegetables in this country have exploded in price. Um, since there's no one to pick the vegetables, um, they sit in the fields and they get a little bit too mature. And then the price of them is astronomical so what we would normally come home well for us it's astronomical for you for you you're probably like that's not that expensive but um doubled in price easily and the quality is it's not that the quality isn't good they're still the same vegetables they just weren't picked at the correct time so like the asparagus is really big and like knobby and the salads are all kind of overgrown um just not not uh not par not on par to what it should be especially at this time of year yeah this time of year it should be cheap and it should be plentiful there Mm -hmm. should be peas and asparagus and artichokes and and fava beans and and uh spinach and and maybe even um young green beans from the south you know you start to see all that yeah it's um and they're there but we're not used to paying six euros a kilo for uh over ripened peas like when you open them up they're too big and they're starting to split and it's like oh Uh, these were good two weeks ago mm -hmm. um and it's not like they're not fresh they were picked like they're the the, you can tell they're still fresh because the little flowers are still on the end of the peas but they're just too mature Mm -hmm. so So, little things kind of day to day that's why we stay home (laughs) i just keep saying it jason hates leaving now yeah, I'm done doing grocery shopping uh, or just going out in general. It's just a pain, like, just to just to do it all. And I'm sure it is for you, too. But Well, and the good news for the region of La Marque, or our, I should say our um, zone of our province of Pezor Urbino, again, today we saw zero uh, people with uh, COVID. So what are you listening for? If the water's running. I don't hear it. I don't hear it running either. Should we, you want to push pause real quick? Yeah. All right, false alarm. Pump is still pumping. <laughs> we're sitting right by. We're sitting uh, on the little um, patio, the patio uh, by the pool. And now that the water level's coming up, you don't hear the splash <laughs> of the water entering as much. It's much quieter. So I hear the motor of the pump going, but I do not hear the splashy splash. So what else is going on with country living out here? Um, fun stuff to prepare for summer is things like getting the chimney sweeped for the uh, fall. It's a good time to do this also before they start getting really busy and it's harder and harder and harder to get them to come out. Plus, I have uh. to <laughs> Plus, I have to go up on the... I, well, um, we have a problem with bees making... Not bees, calabrone, the big ones. What you, you guys in the <laughs> North America like to call murder hornets. <laughs> a stupid name. They are a giant European uh, hornet. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, and they're, they sound like Chinook helicopters coming. They're real, they're real loud, and they're very slow, and they generally leave you alone. But they like to make their homes in the, uh, in the top of the chimneys because it's, nothing's going on. It's a good, good secluded spot. So I have to go up there and put fine mesh around the chimney uh, to make sure they can't make the hole in there. But... Our roof is tall. It's tall. It's <laughs> steep. We're going to pull a Leroy, which is my grandpa, and call someone out to do some work on one thing and pull the old switcheroo. Hey, while you're here, why don't you hop up on the roof? Yeah, if you're going <laughs> to get on the roof to clean out the chimney anyway when you're done, can you put up this fine mesh around the uh, thing so the bees don't know it? That's my plan. I think it's brilliant. Gaji liked it. And he's back. Uh, he'll come by, especially now he's got the week off, but um, work in the garden for a couple hours in the morning and feels like he got something done. Do a little hoeing. 
and head home <laughs> before lunch. Tomorrow we're having uh, Gaji and Rosanna to our house for lunch for the first time. We haven't had anyone over for lunch yet, so no. it, it'll be nice to... Uh, he was hysterical this morning, too. The cats were coming around and all giving him love sitting outside. And um, he turned around and another cat showed up. And this is a guy who years ago told us basically to kill the cats. Like, they're worthless. They're not, you know, they don't hunt for real food. And uh, he just thinks they're pretty dumb in general. But he's come to like ours. <laughs> and he's sitting here. And when the next cat, when the second cat walks up to him, he throws his hands up in the air. looks around. And so Italian and dramatic says, what am I? San Francesco? Animals love me. <laughs> it was like he thinks he's like some... Patron state of animals. Yes, but he's like some animal whisperer, and it was just hysterical. So he keeps us laughing, which is nice. Um, let's jump into some of the questions you guys sent, because it's always fun to switch it up and hear some of the burning questions on your mind um, <laughs> versus just the random topics on ours. So first question... Um, anything about living in the U.S. that you miss since moving to Italy? Um, not really. I always High immediately speed internet. Oh, okay. I always go straight to the food, and I miss Mexican, Chinese, or anything that would oh, be ethnic, delivered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think food, but we can get it. I mean, with Amazon now, you can really order anything you want. And then when we do order stuff like that and get, and like make it, it's always disappointing. I miss good chips and salsa stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this year we're growing everything for the salsa. We just don't have the ch- we don't have tortilla. We chips. We just don't have great tortilla chips. So uh, all, all in all, though, no, all in all, and especially once things like a couple years ago when. Um, Things like the NFL package came to Italy or the NHL package and things like that where you could or come to Europe, then you can start watching other things that you kind of missed from before. But all in all, we get Netflix, we get all that crap, and after what we watch on the news this last weekend, no, I don't miss anything from the States. No, and that's all like the food commercial stuff. Of course we I miss I've come from a big family and there's lots of little ones and things. You know, you miss some of the birthday parties or um, funerals, unfortunately, and things like that that you can't always get back to. But it's part of uh, the good and the bad of making the life oh, choices. Oh, yeah, family, family. That's family. right. <laughs> family. Um, here's the next question. Why do Tuscans not put salt in their bread? Well, not only do Tuscans not put salt in their bread, but um, I think a vast majority of central Italy doesn't. And it all goes back to taxes. <laughs> in 1400, the, uh, the Vatican uh, taxed salt. And uh, salt was like gold. because It was traded as like a currency. And because the the people of Central Italy were on the were poor, they had to decide: Are we going to make sausages and salamis, or sorry, uh, salamis and prosciuttos and that kind of stuff, and use the salt in our charcuterie and our meat, or are we going to put it in our bread every day? Um, so their idea was: We'll make these this all this other stuff salty and put it on the saltless, tasteless, horrible bread. Um, so it was, it was a tax and they didn't want to pay the tax to this day. I buy bags of salt that are called the Pope's salt. And he still owns the salt mines, uh, several salt mines all over Italy thinking one day, Hey, you never know it. The way things are going, <laughs> we might be going back a thousand years, but it is interesting. And after all this time, um, they stick with tradition. Um, in central Italy, it is very difficult to find bread with salt in it. And just as Jason said, it's become that ingrained mentality of there's not salt in the bread. You put the salt 
on the bread with what you are, like he said, the prosciutto or the salami. And it starts to make sense. I, I fought it long and hard <laughs> or I just couldn't quite grasp it. But after 13 years, you start to get it. Oh, we've got a chicken alarm going off as well. Are we going to have to stop it? Let me run real All right, quick. Go. All right. So this is why we don't do podcasts midday, huh? This is exactly why. It was a false alarm, chicken alarm, false alarm, uh, pool false alarm, but lots of alarms in the middle of the day. I have no idea where we were. I'm asking questions. Oh, oh, the salt, salt yep. and bread. So, yeah. So when you go up to Milan or into the north, they were richer. Woo, they, they're rich. They can afford to put salt in everything. They're throwing salt around like it's nothing. <laughs> it's raining salt up there. Um, a great way to um, enjoy the saltless, tasteless bread of our area is called pani brustolito. And it really works with this kind of bread perfectly. And you might call it a bruschetta. 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 Or bruschetta. Sorry, I didn't even say it wrong. Um, brustolito would be you take the bread, cut it, put it on the barbecue, give it a nice little grill, and then rub raw garlic on it, salt, and olive oil. It's the most typical, it's like the typical type of bruschetta. It's, it's, you, everyone thinks of that tomato bruschetta as bruschetta, but bruschetta just is toasty bread mm-hmm. rubbed with garlic and olive oil, and then you do something. So. Um, speaking of the bread and the salt and the table in that sense also, um, a lot of times people will come out here to La Marque after being in Florence and different parts of Tuscany, and they'll ask why is there no olive oil on the table to dip their bread. And it's just not done here. <laughs> um, our area in particular isn't incredibly olive oil rich, and that's just... I've never been anywhere in Italy except in touristic restaurants where they put olive oil to dip on the table. Mm-hmm. Maybe parts in the south or something. Where I don't know. They I, I would assume it's got to be going on somewhere where always, there's a lot of oil. I was. They would always take sliced bread, lay it down, sprinkle salt and pepper, and then drizzle olive oil. But no one puts out a dish of olive oil. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> That's why you won't see it on our tables. <laughs> so, Jason, next question. How do you preserve your tomatoes? Um, I preserve my tomatoes in jars. Mostly. I don't really care for sun-dried tomatoes at all. Um, and I also take the little small ones, um, whether they're datterini or chilagini or any, any of the small tomatoes. And if, they, if we get a rain or something. When, when he's saying small, obviously he's talking like cherry tomatoes and smaller. Yeah, the small ones. And if we get a rain and they might split, that's a great time to pick them all and then throw them in the freezer and use them over the winter. So if I need a dish that needs like four or five tomatoes in it like little or a little handful of chopped tomato i'll use that instead of busting open a jar and we don't make passata we don't pass it we do um pieces of tomato because if you make passata now i all i can make is sugo or sauce um whereas if you have pieces you can make stews and sauces and different you know it just gives you more um more flexibility Mm -hmm. in it but um those are the two Two ways. Um, in other parts of Italy, they'll make concentrato, like concentrate. Um, they'll dry them. They'll make almost like a uh, uh, salsa pomodoro in the south where they boil it. Like they actually boil the tomato passata and then put it in the jars. There's a bunch of different ways you can do it. But primarily I freeze the little ones and can the can the bigger one or jar the bigger one. And the jarring, out. we do the water bath style. Yeah, it's the, the traditional water bath. You can look it up. There's mm-hmm. many, many <laughs> different ways to do it. But... But we have a lot that we do. This year, we're going to have a whole lot more. (laughs) Um, Next question. 
what are effective ways to learn Italian? And second follow-up question to that is probably your favorite language question. How long did it take? <laughs> it takes as long as it takes. Um, we, are not, ways to learn we, are, we are not the people to ask. Um, no, we have tried basically every way. We have done everything from when we still lived in New York and before we moved, we um, purchased Rosetta Stone that I don't know if we even ever used one lesson. No, and of course work. it was like a money back guarantee, but we never did that. Um, we took lessons in New York at a school run by two Sicilian sisters and they were running a school for children. And we thought this would be a great place to learn go to the basics and there was um two other adults in the class in the evenings and that was a nice start um when we came to italy we started taking italian lessons from a retired french teacher in town who didn't speak any english and that was very difficult basically you have to find what works for you um we've uh, i guess now we found that having uh, like an inter- over the internet program where we can do it whenever we want to do it um works for us with something more structured other people are better um, having more of a loose program or just kind of self-studying or, no, I need, I need structure. Well, and some people like to be in a group setting, like you're saying. Um, we've tried, like I said, those. We've done the kind of one-on-one private tutor um, online. We've done just YouTube videos. And now, yeah, we have found one that's more of an online course. Um, th- why the one we're using now, um, we really enjoy... We'd have to look up his name, Manu, Manu. Um, that he is a linguistics guy, <laughs> a professor, professor of linguistics. but he is not only a native Italian speaker. He has a parent that's Italian, a parent that's Australian. So he can come at it with a, from a different perspective of having to, a native speaker of both languages and know where the places that when you an english speaker has trouble with pronunciation and grammar in italian and, and help work i like him a lot um i also like that um we can do it whenever we want like we just had had trouble getting to a class because you know things, our schedules our crazy. schedules all over the place so it's much better that one day we can do it in the morning and one day we can do it in the afternoon after lunch and it's it's just much better but the best way honestly to learn italian or learn anything is put in the work there's no substitute for putting in the work. Everyone wants a hack. Everyone wants to know the secret. Guess what? There's no secret in life. If you put in the work to anything, you get results. That's it's back to old flashcards. <laughs> Whatever it is, mm-hmm. put in the work. And you will. if you put in two hours a week, you will get two hours a week of knowledge out of it. If you spend all your time studying Italian, you will be shocked at how quick you pick it up. There's no secret to life. Put in the work. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, that is such a foreign thing. Like, uh, even us, work. I mean, come on, it sucks. We're still struggle at times. We are still, oh, um, yeah. constantly learning. learning. It's um, something so how long did it take? It ain't over. Forever. <laughs> it takes forever. I'm but at the same time, I want to tell people, it's never too late to start. We have our Dutch neighbors down the road who obviously speak English and Dutch and German and French. But in their late 60s, they moved to Italy and learned Italian. And so it's not like you can't use the excuse, I'm too old to learn something new. All right. Back to the recipe questions. Jason, what is your pizza sauce recipe? I love, she said, followed up with, I love the simple, clean taste in Italy versus America's overspiced versions. Um, pizza, uh, 
pizza sauce, all I do is do, uh, take my can- my jarred tomatoes and I pass them to make passata. Um, I usually let the, a little bit of the water drain out so it's not so soupy, um, so it's a little bit denser. And then all I do is uh, salt, uh, chili or chili, some chilies or pepper, whatever you like, um, uh, a little bit of olive oil, a tiny, tiny. Do not overdo this. <laughs> You guys should see his face right now. <laughs> it's in pain. So, for instance, a tiny bit of garlic, meaning when I do enough sauce for 20 pizzas, I put one clove of garlic in. And Let you, re- like, shave it. Shave it. I shave it. I micrograde it. So I don't want chunks of garlic. Let me repeat that. For a whole <laughs> bowl, I put one clove. For 22 pizzas. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm doing it for me and Ashley, I literally take the garlic clove, sh- give it two shaves, three shaves on a microplane, and that is it. If you, ta- if you go to taste it and it tastes like garlic, you've gone too much and then from there whatever you want whatever herbs but go light on them it shouldn't taste like if you want to put oregano it shouldn't just taste like like you're just sucking on a whole bunch of oregano so i would say if for for four people i would say a sprig of oregano you chop it up and throw it in there remember it's you want to overpower and aromatics are very overpowering um when you add the salt do it before you add the oil if you add the oil first the oil sits on top of the tomatoes and then the salt passes through it and now the salt is coated with oil and doesn't really melt that easily um so when you taste it it might taste salty or gritty um because the salt didn't have a chance to um, come down and pizza uh, pizza sauce is an uncooked sauce you do not cook it on the stove you cook it in the oven when the pizza is cooked otherwise it becomes like a pasta sauce <laughs> otherwise it's pasta sauce but very very simple not not a, a whole bunch of stuff no no powders of anything garlic uh, onion powder no dried herbs please don't put dried herbs in there no don't just do leave it. it out yeah if, yeah exactly. seriously just leave it out um, next question. This one is for me. No Chino. This is a walnut liquor. Do you leave your nuts whole or do you split them? Well, I know, and I've seen this all over the place. Um, it is probably the most hotly contested part of the recipe, depending on where you're from in Italy. Luckily, who, the woman who taught me <laughs> and shared her Nocino recipe with me is from Piobico here. And she does not cut her nuts. So I I leave them whole. That's what the recipe calls for. And I thought since this is the time of year to be making Nocino, I would share the recipe with everyone just in case. Um, Nocino is a walnut liquor that is typically made at the end of May, beginning of June. There's a specific Saints Day, of course, that corresponds to it. But got to go by the nuts more than the Saints Day. (laughs) So for this recipe, it is 25 green walnuts, one kilo or a little bit less of sugar, one liter of alcohol, 250 grams of water, a stick of vanilla and a stick of cinnamon, five to seven cloves. Mix it all together. Put it in a big jar, a clear jar, and then what she taught me was to put that jar outside and put it in a warm, sunny spot, like up against the side of the house. And every morning when you go to water and every evening before you go to bed, take that jar and give it a nice shimmy shake. You want to just incorporate all that. Uh, I've done it accidentally where years where I've around the side of the house. We got busy and totally forgot a few days and that's sugar. It'll caramelize. <laughs> it in just the sun. kind of caramelizes. Yeah. It becomes cement at the bottom and it does not dissolve anymore. So, but if you do it right, you just keep shaking it. And, um, after what's see here, 
40 days in the sun. That's why this one is called biblical. (laughs) You take it out of the sun, then you leave it inside for one month in a cool, dark place. After that month, so now it's been 40 days in the sun plus another month in the corner. Now you filter out the nuts and you can bottle it. You can make a nocinato di marsala if you want with the used nuts with adding the used nuts, one liter of dry marsala, 200 grams of sugar, mix that together and leave it for 15 days. Um, I've never actually done the Marsala one. We don't use a lot of Marsala. We don't. Not in this area. I've never tasted Marsala in this area. No, but this is the Nocina di Maria Mochi. It's absolutely lovely. You would make it right now. And then there's another Saints Day to drink it, right? No. I was just going to finish it up. It's, well, you could call it the, the greatest saint of all. You... First pour should be Christmas Eve. Oh, there you go. That's what it was. Okay. It's ready Christmas Eve. Okay. So you would pour this for Christmas. And the thing is, is it's got such an incredible spicy uh, flavor with the clove and the cinnamon and the nutmeg. Yeah, it's not really a summer one. No, it's not really. It's perfect for the fall. Um, I don't really serve it at all during the summer. Um, yeah, it just doesn't go. Um, but all fall and into the winter, it's so nice, especially with a little biscotti. You could even kind of drizzle a little bit over some uh, vanilla gelato if you wanted. But it's a really nice, lovely, Not it's not too strong and boozy of a flavor um, and very not typical. Not with a kilo of sugar. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so those are the questions you guys sent us for this podcast. If you have any more for the next, shoot us an email at info at Marque or find us on Facebook or Instagram and send them there. Thanks. It's kind of fun to find out what's on your guys' mind. All right. Very good. Um, what else is going on? Well, the only other thing for us going on is thankfully one thing we've been busy with is the virtual move to Italy workshops and we extended the enrollment to go through June for another round of workshops. So if you're interested, visit the website, latavalamarque.com and we have two different, uh, move to Italy packages. One is just a one-off 90 minute call for just basically any of your questions, general overview and how to get started, kind of how to start a timeline. And we give you a 30-point kind of checklist and then a 90-day-out checklist before your move. And use that time to ask any questions. Maybe you are much further in the process and you're, or you're more interested in just the house hunting aspect. It's your time. It's your time. Any way you want it, baby. And then the other one is four calls, seven hours. And we go through the whole preparation transition, assimilation, or execution of your business. Whether you're, and in fact, the, our last two clients we had were not for business at all. They were just moving out here. Exactly. Some, which is the best. I know. You guys are the luckiest. <laughs> you can retire. It's the I best. I know. Get a holiday home or a, a little apartment in the center of Rome or whatever it may be. And so it's kind of fun doing a mix of people who are uh, at a different stage in their life and looking to enjoy just the benefits of living in Italy and the relaxation and the beauty versus... The hustle and the, yep. <laughs> we are also getting ready to roll out our um, virtual cooking classes, which will be available for private groups or corporate events. And the information for that is going to be up on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can shoot me an email for a private quote. But didn't I say two podcasts ago I didn't want to do any cooking classes? You did. Jason was like, you guys, everyone's already doing these things. Um, well, then you start getting some requests for some big groups. <laughs> <laughs> you get a couple of corporate clients who, yeah, corporate corporations like, oh. who want to do it. And you're like, oh, 
okay. Okay. And the longer it goes without having people here and the more the garden and the projects are starting to get underway and you have a little more time, it is kind of nice to interact. Jason keeps thinking I'm going to have a meltdown within the next month or so of just lack of interaction with others. And he's probably right. I've been agreeing to do so many virtual like interviews, virtual trips to Italy. And- yeah, it's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> Why? Like, who are you talking to? I know, Jason's in the background going, what is this? Wrap it up. And I'm like, I, I, I chat long and extra. And I'm like, hey, so what else is going on? And I'm like, I'm just, it's, uh, it's nice to interact sometimes with others. But um, yeah, that's about it out here. All right. Anything else? Are we wrapping it up? No, I'm hungry. Okay. Very good. Wrap it up. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. You know where to find us. L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E. Visit the website, latavlamarque.com. Shoot us an email about your questions, your requests for the workshops, anything like that at info at latavlamarque. TripAdvisor. Oh, my God. Don't go to TripAdvisor. I don't know why that ever came into my head. Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, all the usuals, at Latavla Marque, or you can follow me at Ashley Bartner. All right, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Have a great day. Ciao, ciao. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com. That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.